Morning Liberty. It's about time to get those audio issues fixed. I've been sitting here forever just waiting to bring the message to the people. I know. We just sit here for what? Um, a minute. That was a really long minute. Well, a minute too long, Nate. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. Well, my name is Charlie. This is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. We would have got this out to you sooner <laughs> had Nate fixed the audio uh, before when we were ready to start recording. Now I have to think through uh, a minute man, of uh, what I was going to say to you guys. But I know I want to say subscribe to this podcast. This is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And you guys need to hit that subscribe button. Why? Why do they want to do that, Nate? Well, one, because we care about the liberty movement. And by subscribing to shows like this, you can help grow that movement. So when you hit subscribe, every time we release a new episode, it's just going to pop right there onto your phone. You don't have to worry about going and looking for it. Just Automate that stuff, okay? Just just make it easier anytime you can. Well, while I'm, uh, yesterday was my birthday, in case anybody didn't listen to yesterday's episode, and uh, I am enjoying a frozen Reese's yeah. peanut butter cup because they're delicious. And your wife was kind enough uh, to send with you my favorite candy yesterday for my birthday, and I decided to freeze it and enjoy it today. Let me tell you, I still feel like it's part of my birthday. They are so much better frozen that, I mean, Uh, It's just not even comparable. It's not. At all. uh, I want to know while I'm enjoying that, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to do a little bit more comment section. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be going through our Facebook. We get a lot of, actually pretty good amount of engagement on that page. So we're going to look at a couple comments that have came through on Facebook, and we're going to talk about those because I didn't feel like typing out every single thing I had to say about it. So we're going to extend the comment section yeah episode from yesterday yeah and it's going to be a short episode because we're about to leave and start driving up to detroit for the young americans for liberty convention so uh we got to get this out pretty quick maybe half an hour or so i'm going to go through the first comment here this one comes from sunny madursky so this was on a an article that we posted that was a repost of a fee article if you've never been to fee.org i highly recommend it so we we reposted this and it was basically talking about envy and it was relating socialism and this entire mindset to to envy and how how this has kind of always been a thing envy's obviously you can go back in the bible times and all that and uh, envy one of the seven deadly sins so uh, that's not exactly the point that fee was making but it was talking about how dangerous this this envious attitude is that I think a lot of a lot of socialists deep down really do have. And so we posted this article and this person posted on the article. She said, she said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so that's a, that sounds like a pretty good comment, and it actually sounds like something a lot of people would agree with when you say that. You'll just say that in a group of friends, oh, you know, money is the root of all evil, and, and a lot of people would agree with that. I specifically um, do not agree with that what, whatsoever. So she says the love of money is the root of all evil, and I want to talk about why that's that's really not, it's really not the case. And I know, Charlie, you're going to pull something up from, from the Bible, probably talking about, talking about money being the root of evil. Um, I want to talk about why that's not the case, and specifically the love of money not being the case. And that's because in a free market, which I hope we return to someday, in a free market, when you get money for your product or service, 
It means that you provided someone with something that they deemed more valuable than the money. So, you know, an easy example, you go to Starbucks, they charge you $5 for a cup of coffee, you give them the $5 uh, because you value the coffee more, and they give you coffee because they value your $5 more than the coffee. That's a nice mutual voluntary transaction that everyone's making right there. So when Starbucks received that money, was that the root of all evil? That would really be my, my question, because in a free market, having a lot of money even if you talk about a lot of these billionaires and millionaires, you know, these evil, rich, greedy people, um, you only have a lot of money because you provided at least that much value in society, at least that much, probably more, because you would not have obtained that money if you would not have created something that people deemed more valuable than the money that they had. So if you have someone who uh, has made a billion dollars this year, that means that in society they provided at least a billion and one dollars in value to society, or they wouldn't have obtained that money. So this can kind of get muddied up when we talk about the actual system that we live in right now, where not exactly a free market capitalist society. We have kind of a... uh, a crony capitalist society. So a lot of times you can, uh, since the power has, since the government has power over everyone, uh, and since they can make regulations and all kinds of different rules that control all businesses, well, the businesses then therefore will buy off the government. And then they can form all kinds of laws and regulations that will uh, fit whatever their business model is and benefit them uh, in, in the way that they see fit. So a lot of times they can obtain money uh, in a way that, is not how you would do it in a free market system. They obtain it by force in some kind of way, uh, kind of like the government obtains it by force. So, But in, in an actual system where you have a love of money, I don't see how that can be the root of evil because what you're saying, what you're saying when you say you have a love of money is that you have a love of providing value to others. That's, that's what I hear when you say the love of money because money is a representation of value that you provided to other people. So therefore, the love of providing value to other people is certainly not evil. It really goes down to a, a just kind of a misunderstanding and the misrepresentation, just really in the way that we think about money. And no one really thinks about money as, oh, I just got $5. That means I provided someone with more than $5 or they wouldn't have given me that $5. And I want to know what the arbitrary line of evil is, like how much money, because if you're making $50,000 a year, well, then you, ma'am, uh, and I don't know what you make, um, you're one of the richest people in human history ever. So, yeah. so what's that line? What's the arbitrary line of the root of all evil? And I want to give some context around this because, um, you know, I'm a Christian and there's a lot of things that I don't like that Christians do that turn people off from the church. One of those things is taking specific Bible verses and basing an whole ideology off of one specific verse. You have to put context around these things. And this is, uh, the, you know, money is the, the love of money is the root of all evil stems from first Timothy, uh, chapter six, verse 10. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Um, and this is uh, what people miss a lot of times when reading the Bible is the context of the time frame. And then also what Paul is specifically saying in a lot of his letters, what he's specifically saying in that time, you have to go back 
and look at the original language in the Greek because I'm, Greek does not translate directly to English. There's lots of words that have all kinds of meaning. Um, and so you, if you really want to know what Paul was actually saying, uh, you got to go back and look at the Greek. And even if you can't read Greek, there's all kinds of uh, help out there that says, hey, here's a Greek word and this is what this word means over time. And it gives you lots of examples and you can kind of put together the context clues and the pieces of what he's saying. And what Paul is saying here that the love of money is the root of all evil in that time frame was because they didn't live in a capitalistic in a capitalistic time. Yeah. For the longest time, the only way to get rich in human history was to uh, rape and pillage and murder. Yeah. Like pa- you had power, power. The, yes. That's the only way. That's the only way you could have gotten rich. And so the intent of the heart is what matters. And that's what Nate's talking about here. If you brew somebody a delicious cup of coffee that they're willing to trade you $5 for, for that cup of coffee, there's no intention of uh, harming that person for your own gain. That's the difference. Now, do we have greedy people that are evil in capitalistic societies? Absolutely. There are some of those, but for the most part, those people get found out very quickly. And as Nate and I have alluded to before, you don't see scams are us. That's still, uh, you know, alive and well on your corner market. Yeah. You know, that building doesn't exist because the people that do do that, that harm other people for their own gain, they don't last very long. Um, they get found out really quickly, especially in this day and age with social media and everything like that. I mean, you tweet a company and they're right there at yeah. your becking call pretty much. Yeah. You I mean, can start you- a movement and completely change. What a, what is that? Ah, that's the lady calling. Mm. And uh, I guess she didn't realize that we were going to be recording right now. <laughs> I'll let her in on it. Yeah. So, but you have to know that the, 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 that saying the love of money is the root of all evil. It has to do with the intention uh, behind that. Yeah. And yeah. so if, if I want to cause harm to you to make money, then yes, that's definitely, I'm, I love my personal gain. And I'll, and I'm willing to sacrifice you for it. Well, it's really, if money, if you obtain money and that means that you use power and force and coercion to obtain all of that money, then yes, the pursuit of that money and having all of that money, that, that is evil. And the pursuit of that money that was only gained through power and force, that part is evil. But in our society where we freely give people money, we, we trade money back and forth because we're seeking value. That's not evil. And really, I think this idea... What about even and, the people that get good deals? Oh, man, I got such a good deal. Yeah. Is it evil for you to get a good deal? Like you paid less for them what you should have? I think that idea only goes one way. <laughs> pretty, a, pretty sure. It's only one way? Yeah. Well, it's I'm just saying that's a, there's an idea. I mean, think about that. What happens then? This is really a problem. And because I know this person here, because I've seen their name come across our page before, she is... She's not a liberal. She's not a leftist. Like She's a conservative Republican. And the fact that even people, say, on the right, think this way about money, to me, this, this is at the root of a lot of the problems in the political conversations we're having. It's, the, it's at the root of what makes a Bernie Sanders supporter a Bernie Sanders supporter. And that's the, it's the hatred of money itself. That's why when you read basic economics, you'll find that the first, like the very beginning of it is about why we use money and what money is, because he knows that. He knows that 
deep down somewhere inside this socialist ideology is this hatred for the fact that we even use money in the first place, that we have to use money to, and we need it so we can pay our bills and that so we can live in a house and do all these things. They have a very deep down, simple core hatred just for the fact that we use money. And so I think that understanding this will go a long way. And what I mean by the issue is, here's a conservative Republican on our page saying, well, the love of money is the root of all evil. Like, that's a problem when even people on the, you know, Republican conservative side of the aisle have that view for money. That's how you end up getting into the situations that we are right now, because if that person can think that about money and go their whole life, because it looks like maybe she's kind of older, and go their whole life and have that feeling about money, then what do you think a college kid that's on the left side of the political spectrum is going to think about money? They're going to have a deep hatred for it. And you can't be mad at them for that, because here you are, a conservative Republican, and you feel the same way about money. So we have to fix this base, this feeling about money, and that's through getting this idea across that you only obtain money by providing value to people. And then they take that a step further, because they start to garner resentment for the people that do have the money. And so now not only do they hate money, but they hate people that have a lot of it because they hate money to begin with. And they start to envy that. Well, yeah. my life could be easier if, you know, my life would be better if, and it's always, if so-and-so wasn't yeah. holding me back if or so-and-so else. wasn't right. And so that's what builds that resentment. So we have to change we have to flip the script, don't we, Nate? We do. We do need to flip the script. Money's on this. not a bad thing, and that's it, this idea of why we use money is really important. I mean, we could do actually. I did do like a whole week of videos on this one time on our page. This idea of why we use money, even if just say you're a say you're a communist and you want to go live on a commune. Imagine your little commune, and you have you have someone there that knows how to build houses. So you have your carpenter. Uh, and then you have your doctor, and then you have your farmer. Well, in that in that commune, you're going to have whatever you can do. You're going to have to provide it to the other people inside of that commune, so you can also get the services that they're going to provide to you. And so I'm going to grow food and let you have whatever you need. That way, you're a doctor. So when I need some kind of medical care, you're going to do this for me too. It's the same thing. All this is, and I hate to say that it's the same as communism, because obviously there's uh, a lot larger um, there's a lot larger focus on personal responsibility and and being able to obtain these things for yourself. But it's the same thing, only put out on a grand scale. What what we do when we apply money to the situation is where when my family who grows produce, when they want to go to the doctor and get some kind of medical procedure, they don't have to bring a grain truck full of full of corn to them and and give the doctor some corn or something like that. See, that's that just we wouldn't don't work even out know very well. Which doctors accept corn? Yeah, that's maybe payment. Maybe and maybe they They're already not a network. Maybe they <laughs> maybe they already have enough corn. You know, maybe they don't need it. So now they're not going to do anything. So what but, we do? But, but that doctor needs wheat. Yeah. So what we do is we create a market. So the farmer can trade his or her corn and wheat and soybeans for money, and then the doctor can 
accept the money and take that money and get whatever it is that they need if they don't need the things from that farmer. It's all just the same thing, only on a bigger scale. And if you lived in a in some kind of a commune society, I don't think there's anyone that would tell you, even if you're a communist, that okay, you know how to grow food and you're the only person that knows how to grow food, but you don't have to grow food here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Like you just sit over there and we'll provide everything for you and just don't do anything. That's not what goes on in the commune. They say, okay, you know how to do this. And so therefore you're going to do this for everyone. And I know how to do this. So I'm going to do this for everyone. Like they're not going to let you just move into a commune and literally do nothing forever and just live off of it. I literally know someone who's been kicked out of a commune before so that that's not that's not how it goes so even people on that side of the political spectrum will say well yeah when you live in a commune yeah if you know how to do something then you should provide it to everyone else who needs it and then they should provide it to you it's the same thing all we all we do is we exchange that service or that good for money that way this economy can work a lot smoother and can actually expand a lot further it just makes it easier to trade yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. I, we're just, people are just constantly trading with each other and it just makes it way easier to, to allow that transaction to happen. Well, because maybe you're in, maybe you're in North Dakota and there's no one there that you're not going to be able to grow a bunch of produce and corn and things like that. So mm-hmm. how are you going to get that? You're yeah. going to drive all the way to Iowa and pick up your corn and pro. No, that's, we put money into the situation that way this whole trade thing can happen a lot easier. And in fact, the reason why we went to paper money was because it was too heavy to carry gold around. <laughs> yeah. Cause we used to have gold coins and stuff. And then we went to electronic money because it's way easier to swipe your card than it is to hand somebody cash and have them count. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just have the computers do it for you. So it's just a, all it is is a representation. Uh, it's, it's not the love of money. That's the root of all evil. It's the love of, of harming others for your own personal gain. Yeah. That's the root of all evil. The, the saying only applies if the money was obtained through brute power and force. Yes. If it was obtained voluntarily through nefarious, through nefarious actions, if it was obtained voluntarily, then all you're saying is the love of providing value to other people is the root of all evil. Which and that does not make not the case. Yeah, that's not the case at all. And he goes on. I mean, Paul goes on to say in this, uh, in this letter to Timothy that, um, you should live a humble life. Like if your goal, like, look, I'll tell you guys, my goal is to be as rich as I possibly can be. Why? Cause that gives you the ultimate amount of freedom. I don't care about having a 16 bedroom mansion on Martha's vineyard, like the Obamas. Um, I don't care about having 12 cars or any of that stuff. What I care about is that if my son needs a million dollar heart surgery, I don't have to worry about what insurance I have. I'll just pay for it in cash. Yeah. Right. Or if, uh, if we needed to get out of town quickly, I'm going to know people, right. And I'm going to be able to buy my way to safety, right. Cause we're all searching for the same thing, security, safety, right. We want to provide for ourselves and our family. Bernie Sanders to me is a great example. He's preaching a message of we hate the rich and he's getting rich doing it. Yeah. So, so what's his motivation for doing what he's doing? I'm not sure. I guess it's a good thing he didn't sell a whole lot more books because if he became a billionaire, then he would, he would be succumb to his own wealth. He'd have to kill himself. Wealth I think that's what would happen. It, you know, it's, I'm not saying rich people are bad, but I'm saying it's the, it's the intention of the heart. Yep. Like what is your motivation behind your aim? And that, I mean, to me, that still gets dicey because it, the, 
the motivation doesn't even have to be that you're doing it to help people. In a free market, does it? No, I mean, it doesn't. You would all, you would have to help people to make the money. It doesn't have right. to be your motivation. Maybe your motivation is to get a 16-bedroom house and 12 cars. Well, and I'm speaking specifically to that verse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying even if that is your motivation, in a free market, you still have to help people to be able to obtain that. So it doesn't matter if you are just out for yourself, you actually have to help a lot of other people to help yourself. So it's it's just, you know, free market solves everything. But we've got one more comment here. And this comment is from Margaret Maggie Newman. Full name. Mar- <laughs> Don't look her up. Not doxing. No big deal. So what she said, this was on the same post, actually. So we're still talking on this article that was entitled, Envy is the Root of Many Modern Evils. So... She said, in speaking about just, say, people who are on maybe welfare or socialists, things like that, here's what Margaret said. Get off your lazy ass and fix your own life. That's what she said. That's what she said. So, Hmm. and that was not a joke. That's what she said. That is literally what she said. So, here's her argument. Um, Get off your lazy, you know what, and fix your own life. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We've got to figure out what our goal is. You know, Charlie and I know what our goal is, and that's to that's to bring more liberty to the people. That's to return us to a free market. Uh, that's to make the economy grow so it helps everyone. So we continue this this amazing amazing life that we have compared to what people had a hundred years ago. Our goal is to make sure that we stay on that course, and to do that, we're going to have to talk to people that we disagree with. A lot because these days people are growing up different and they just simply do not think the way that we do about these things. And we have to realize that if we actually want to, just say as libertarians, we have to realize that if we actually want to grow this movement, if we actually want to fix the problems that we say we want to fix or we want to change the minds that we say we want to change, we can't do that through brute force. We can't just go physically force people to think the way that we do. We're going to have to fix the way that we talk to people uh, with, with um, you know, people that we have disagreements with. So in doing that, we have to try to speak in a way that is actually going to open up some kind of a conversation. Because imagine you're just sitting in a room with someone and, and that person is a socialist and they're... They have all these ideas, just say they're a big Bernie Sanders supporter and they have all of his ideas. Is your argument going to be, because remember, you want to change that person's mind so they will see that they do not need to uh, to exert force over others to get the things that they want, that they actually want a free market society where we can all provide value to each other voluntarily. So you want them to come to your way of thinking. You need to be able to have a conversation with them. Now, the problem is you need to do that in a way that will keep the conversation going. And just imagine that you're going to have a conversation with a loved one or something like that. Um, Is it going to go very far if you start the conversation with, uh, you're a lazy bum, your problems are your problems, you're an idiot, completely stupid, worthless, I'm telling you, I'm way smarter than you are. I'm I'm a genius. Now Now, listen to me. Yeah. Now listen to what I have to say. (laughs) Do you actually think that that person has now magically become receptive to your message about the free market and volunteerism at all? 
Probably not. No, no. Actually further. No, they're further away now because now they've they've come in contact with who they see as a is a huge douchebag. So you're not winning any kind of argument by doing that. So we have to set for like set out what our goal is. And my goal is to get these people who follow Bernie Sanders to at least consider our way of thinking. Because if there ends up being more of them than there are of us, then we might not ever be able to get it back without some kind of terrible, dangerous, violent revolution someday, a hundred years from now. Like we need to be able to convert them. We need to get them to think about things the way that we do, or we need to see, get them to see our side. So you have to think about how you're going to have this conversation with a person. It's one of the things that we're going to talk about in our presentation this weekend at the Young Americans for Liberty convention is thinking about having a debate, thinking about the way that you're starting a conversation and the way that you're conducting yourself in the conversation. When you go up to someone, if your goal, if your end goal is that you want to convert them to your way of thinking or to your ideology, then you need to consider how you start that conversation. And you cannot start that conversation with get off your lazy butt and fix your own life. And, you know, for the most part, it's just not true because like there's are many, many rich people that lean liberal. Yeah. Like Bezos. Yeah. And Musk. And there's a lot of people, a lot of really rich people that work their ass off, actually, who uh, lean Democrat and they lean Democrat for several reasons. Right. They believe in civil liberties and they think the Democrats stand for that and they don't care to pay maybe a little bit more money. If it means that they can uh, write regulations for their industries, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's exactly what it is. And doesn't like just because you have different views from somebody else most of the time. And there, of course, there are lazy people, but there's lazy people on both sides. Jeez, like that. And they also say, "Well, I would like to help the poor." And so the Democrats are talking about helping the poor. So maybe that's the way I lean. Yeah. Like maybe they're not crazy people. They're just people who believe a little bit differently than you do. One of our arguments for this weekend is that going and just talking about how poor people are lazy and therefore they should fix their own problems and stop being lazy. That's a non-starter. Like that is not going to foster any kind of meaningful debate whatsoever. Uh, Because the issue is, like Charlie said, it's, it's just not true that if you're poor and you are having a tough time in life, you're in a really terrible life situation, it's not automatically true that you're lazy. Some people work their butts off and still just hit hurdle after hurdle, sometimes put in place by the government. They hit hurdle after hurdle, and they have bad thing after bad thing happen to them, and they just can never get ahead. Uh, Or some people, maybe they made bad decisions in the past, and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, um, not saying that kids are bad decisions, but let's just say that like if you started having kids when you were 16 and you've got five kids now and you can't afford to pay for your kids and all your bills and everything off of your job at Walmart, well, that's a problem. And the issue is you can work like 50, 60, 70 hours a week and probably still not be able to pay for that. You can work your butt off and then, you know, someone in your family dies or your house burns down or like bad things keep happening. And the problem is, you have to realize that some people do make bad decisions and then they do really try to get back out of it and it is really hard to do that. So saying that because they're still in that bad situation that they are just inherently lazy, 
that doesn't really work. And it doesn't help our movement at all. That's the problem because our movement is going to take converting people over to our way of thinking and uh, thinking about the free market being the solution to a lot of these problems. And you starting a conversation with, well, poor people are lazy and it's their fault. Like that's or, not or they're, they're just a demon rat yeah. or yeah. Libtard, libtard, whatever. That yeah. does nothing to add to the conversation whatsoever. And it might be true sometimes just so you know, sometimes yes. if you're, if you're poor in your bad situation, it is because you were lazy. So sometimes it is true. But what I'm saying is it doesn't matter if sometimes it's true. You can't look at those people and pinpoint those people because the issue is when the normal person is listening to you talk about this, they're not thinking about that lazy person. They're thinking about the single mother and her four kids and the situation that they're in right now and how they're going to get out of it. You know, So when you start saying, well, it's just because people are lazy, they're like, oh, what, really? You're telling me that like this lady who, you know, her husband died and she's got four kids and she's about to get evicted and she, you know, her business closed down and she's in a bad situation for the next few months or something like that. Like, you're telling me that she's lazy and that's the problem? No, that's not it. There, there's mm-hmm. other problems. So you you kill the conversation just, just right from the bat. And I'll actually go ahead and oust myself yeah. right now. Because I made this mistake today, actually. Mm. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend earlier and we were talking about an issue and really she just wanted to kind of vent to her boyfriend about something. And I made the mistake of saying, of trying to explain a position. Um, and what I said wasn't untrue, but I ended up making the mistake of saying that she was unable to kind of follow the logic because she was emotionally tied to a certain thing. Well, that's that immediately turns anybody off. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work ever, no. especially to your significant other. No. You can never say, hey, uh, you can't see the other side because you're emotionally tied to a, to a situation. Now, now what, again, what I said necessarily wasn't untrue, but at the same time, what you do is you just turn people off. And you're going to make those mistakes along the way. I mean... As good as I am, I still make mistakes, you know? Yeah. And, and But you learn through that process, and that's part of exactly what we're talking about, is learning how to communicate with people on their level, right? And, and not, well, giving people the benefit of the doubt, but also speaking to them in a way that they understand, because there are certain things in life that affect people way more than they affect you. You know, like maybe you're really good at finances and even when you fell on hard times, you had savings or something or whatever. Maybe somebody else isn't as good at finances as you are and their world's different and they grew up differently and they have a, they have different accoutrements, which is also another (laughs) word for baggage. Yeah. Um, and so, so everybody comes from a different place in life and they have different strengths and different weaknesses and you have to learn how to speak to them where they're at well and the problem is so the where they're at thing that's that's really important because let's say and i'm not we're not talking about um we're not talking about her anymore but let's just say you're talking to someone and you can see that they are emotionally tied to an issue and they are and they are emotional about the subject Healthcare is a big one the problem is that's true they are emotionally tied to the subject now you've got to get on their level and speak in the way that's actually, you cannot convince them to stop being emotional about the subject. You cannot convince people to turn their emotions off. 
that's not going to happen. Because you're emotional about your own. Yeah, I mean, like my wife said really funny to me, I'll never forget it. I said, well, you know, libertarian, you know, other people, they think emotions first. And libertarians, you know, we think like logic first. And she goes, no, you think emotions first. I'm like, no, no, you're, you're wrong. She goes, yeah, your emotions first. You're just really, really emotional about the free market. And, <laughs> you know, and so you're just really emotional about liberty. Yeah, you're freedom. just really emotional about liberty. And so if you if you just remember that, let's say you get into a conversation with someone and they're they're not thinking logically or rationally or they're being very emotional about something. You can't fix that. You have to approach the conversation and allow for the whole to- the whole talk to go under that understanding that you have to get where they are and talk to them in a way that they're going to hear it because there's no amount of words you're going to say to convince someone who's emotional to not be emotional. It's not going to happen. If you're talking to someone and you're like, "Oh wow, I realize that this has gone really, you know, they're really really irrational about this." You're not going to convince an irrational person to be rational. How are you going to make a rational argument to become rational to an irrational person? That's not going to happen. So you can you ever try talking to a drunk person? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just <laughs> pretend you're talking to a drunk person. Actually, just rule of thumb. Yeah, you cannot make an argument to a drunk person no. rationally about nope. how we don't need to go to that bar. Their brain is not functioning. No. They're they're not making decisions based on any kind of logical logical scenario anymore. And we're emotional beings, and you know, unless you're a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, we're emotional beings. That's we all have those feelings and and but the thing about it is we all have different experiences. So those feelings come from different places. Well, and that's why, you know, the, what I would recommend is if you are getting into a conversation, you see that it's a more emotion based conversation about the terrible plight of the ordinary individual and the, all the things they have to overcome, you know, get on that level. Say that is true. Like this is terrible. Oh my gosh, this is terrible that people are dealing with this. I think that this is the best way to fix it. I think that, look at this capitalism, you know, for all of its terrible, evil natures that it has with greed and selfishness, well, look at what it's done over the last hundred years for people, you know? I really hate, you know, I am so upset that people are living in this terrible circumstance. We have to fix this. And this is how I think we're going to fix it, is by doing this. We need to give them more capitalism. I really, really care about these people, and I hate that they're in this situation. So we have to make sure we return to true free market capitalism to fix this problem. That's the, that's the level that you have to get on. I was just looking through photos of people who were starving to death in Russia and China and everything that happened throughout the 20th century. And I was just looking at all these photos and I just can't believe these people had to go through this. And I'm so worried that we're going to somehow go down a path that's going to send us into this kind of situation, you know, and I just really want to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen to people because these were real people and they starved to death and they were kept in concentration camps and all, all of these things. And I just want to make sure this never happens. That's why I'm a libertarian, you know, that you have to get to that level in the argument. You cannot be, you're an idiot. I'm smarter than you. You're not thinking rationally. You're lazy. Basic economics. You're lazy. This, this, and this, you're never going to win an argument by doing that ever. And the goal is maybe not to win the current argument, but to plant just a little seed in that person's brain. That's going to, going to grow into a libertarian someday. You know, yep. that's, that's the idea. Amen. 
Yeah. Um, well, we're at 35 minutes and we have to get going so we can get on the road up to Detroit, go see some great people at Young Americans for Liberty. Guys, Young Americans for Liberty is a great organization, by the way. What their main goal, they're starting all these chapters through all these colleges, you know, like a thousand colleges. I don't know how many colleges they're at, but they've got all these students that are really excited about the Liberty Movement. And it's important to have young people excited about this. And the other thing they do is they, they get these groups of door knockers together and they support different political campaigns and their goal is to get 250 liberty legislators elected by what is it 2020 is that their is that their goal or is it 2022 something like that yeah Yeah. one more cycle after this so mainly state representatives yeah so they're they're starting at the grassroots and they're going and sending people out and they're paying them to go around and door knock and campaign for all these really, really strong liberty minded legislators. And they've been really successful so far. They've got 40 something people elected so far. Mm-hmm. Um, even uh, I forgive me, I forgot her name, but the uh, legislator from Kentucky, who was actually the one who got the constitutional carry passed in Kentucky, that was someone who Young Americans for Liberty went out and door knocked for. So it's a really, really important organization. And if you can't go out and door knock, then what I would ask today is that you go look at their website and consider throwing them 20 bucks, something like that, because they're going to use that to pay someone else to go around door knocking and get people elected. So you want to go to yaliberty.com dot org and just check out see what they're doing um you know follow them on facebook and instagram they've got great hilarious posts all the time and and great information too so anyway i just wanted to give them a little plug since that's where we're going yeah and uh if you guys are going to be there hit us up we'll be there uh in detroit so or close to detroit i guess it's called southfield yeah Uh, pretty much detroit though and uh we'll see you there if not if you're in Nashville, I know we have several listeners from Nashville based on the charts that we get. Uh, stop by Politicon at the end of October. That's October 26th and 27th, a Saturday and Sunday. There are all kinds of cool people there, but we're going to be there as well. So stop by and say hello. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, search Good Morning Liberty. And we're on Twitter, Good AM Liberty. I think we're up to 30-something followers now, man. That <laughs> thing is growing like weeds. <laughs> Everything else is growing really fast. Twitter, <laughs> not so much. Instagram, at Good Morning Liberty. Go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop to get the latest and greatest Liberty apparel that you could wear out. You know, start a conversation that way. Like, what do you, what do you mean, shall not be infringed? Yeah. What does that even mean? Show your political affiliation and just, the, you know, it. we have shirts that say taxation is theft. Someone ask you about that? Hey, th- let them know the gospel of liberty. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, all right, you guys do all that. And uh, we're going to be gone, but we maybe try to get an episode or something out to you guys this weekend. Uh, if not, we'll be back on Monday to do this all over again. And I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.